We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody. Welcome into your Wednesday, May 24th episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and I'm going to be joined by Andrew Spade here in just a moment. Uh, reminder, things that are out there. I posted yesterday two podcasts about the Browns evolving offense. If you missed those, I think everything about my thoughts and Andrew's thoughts around the Browns offense challenges, both last year and the challenges coming up to this year, whether they can meet those challenges, so on and so forth, those are all available. And I, I think those two podcasts are pretty tidy. Uh, for putting together a lot of where the future stuff sits with tying in the past mistakes or issues or whatever. Uh, so again, check that out if you really are curious for audio form of where the offense is going. Up on the website, we continue uh, we continue wide receiver week. So you're seeing a lot of different content on wide receivers, the wide receiver room, predicting that in the future. Uh, so continue to check that out. Yesterday, Barry McBride posted his part two of the history of the OBR. And it's my favorite because it has the fight that Greed Watch did, which is what it originally started as, the OBR did, the fight, uh, how they helped Browns backers, the Browns world community come together to keep the Browns away from being in Baltimore. Because if you recall, they were going to be the Baltimore Browns. And then the Browns community, the city, stood up against the move, taking the name, kept the city, uh, the name for the city. And that's why the Browns regenerated as the Cleveland Browns in 1999. There's like a 15-minute YouTube video, which is, so really good. I mean, it's just nostalgic, first of all, but it's otherwise a ton of fun to uh, dig into and look and, and just see the effort that people like common people did to pressure the NFL into getting this right. And and I think it's it's one of the it's just I remember the first time I watched it, I couldn't pull myself away from it. It was really, really neat. But yeah, check that out. Otherwise, we have uh, some NFL news today. I want to hit on one thing before we get into our topic, Andrew. Um, they decided to. Uh, rule the kickoffs now, the, the fair catch stuff at the 25. That's officially set in stone now. I think I like it because I think kickoffs are largely stupid. <laughs> I just think kickoffs are pretty dumb because it's an, an unnecessary exposure to blunt head trauma because you're running full speed from – and I know they've done some things to amend it in terms of not letting the kickoff guys get the head start. They've gotten rid of wedge stuff, which 
Uh, as a result of the wedge, you had the wedge buster who was literally just running into ramming his head into a wall essentially at times. So they've done good things with this already, but this is a necessary step to still keep it around. You can still kick off and return. There will be plenty, but they're doing things to make it just so maybe you shouldn't do it. And I like that part of it because I just, I don't want the NFL to put themselves into a spot or really football in general, because this is how college operates. And I'm not entirely sure how high school does with the fair catch stuff inside the 25, but it should be universal where you're leaning like we should just take it at the 25 as often as we can. You know what I mean? Yeah. And feel free to yeah. disagree. Some people might not feel that way. No, I, I mean, I like that, you know, big picture, they should get rid of the kickoff, uh, you know, but they they won't because the it's sort of part of the, the aesthetics of a game, right, is that it starts with a kickoff. Um, and and uh, so, you know, but I, in my mind, I would be happy if every possession just started from the opponent's 25. I think that feels fair to me it feels um take you know take a dangerous play out of the game you know i mean some people are like maybe they should do something gimmicky like what the xfl does you know i'm not super motivated by that um i think you could just i think you could just get rid of it altogether but you know this is maybe the next step in that long drawn out process i don't know yeah i i mean the the somebody reported today that you know concussions on kickoff returns are up over the last year or two. And so that's, I think that's the motivating reason for this. And, you know, it's kind of, to me, it's a no pun intended, a no brainer, right? If, if you can um, protect players and remove a part of the game that isn't really changing swinging games that often you ought to do it. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me and maybe we could pull this up, but I'm being a little lazy. There were not many kickoff touchdown returns. Like there's just, I get that it can swing field position here and there, but is that worth the risk of running into more and more head trauma? I just don't really see the the necessity for it. I guess unless you're just anti any kind of rule change to the football you grew up with or have watched for a long time, it just seems uh, archaic almost to to want guys getting this unnecessary head you know head pounding. It's just silly to me. So uh, I'm glad that they in, incorporated that and. Also, yeah. I'm glad because it feels like the Browns, and I only watch the Browns closely as a pair compared to the rest of the NFL, but like just take the ball at the 25. Stop returning the football from your end zone or any place where you're maybe, maybe you get to the, it's like the mystery box goofiness back in the day, right? Like you get it at the 25, but you could get the mystery that's in this box, which is maybe you get it at the 18. That's exciting. So <laughs> I just, it drives Six. me nuts how many times they return footballs deep in yeah. the end zone. Six kickoff return touchdowns last year. Yeah, it's not. I mean, those matter. They're yeah. they're big. They're huge in game. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's going to make or yeah. break a team season not being able to return kicks. But now I understand why special teams coaches would be against it because they're using strategy to pen teams deep, and it's a part of their job security if they're good at it. The same for players. If you're a special teams kick return guru, like Jakeem Grant's a great example, Andrew, where a guy like him is less valuable today because of this, because he's not going to be doing – kick returns now punt return stuff he could be uh he's you know in the mix to do that job but like those guys who do multiple roles they're they're less inclined to get those opportunities now so i understand why players are against it too because they're going to pr prioritize jobs and money over long-term head issues we see it every single week in the nfl where these guys prove that and i think that this is you don't want to believe it but i do think they're trying to protect players with this one of the rare times they're trying to protect players it seems like a little bit just take an unnecessary element out so Anyway, uh, let's move on. What we're going to do is a little interesting exercise about 
team building roster prioritization. So I had this idea, I talked to Andrew about it. I think there's something here. I'm not sure that this is going to be a perfect concept. Uh, I don't think you're going to, you might not even come away with a ton from it, but what I want to do is look at the Browns roster decisions, where they're investing the most money, where they're investing the most draft capital and free agency uh, dollars to look at if, if they're building their roster, prioritizing things differently than the, the other three teams in the division are because the other three teams continue to find success, right? The Steelers have been in the playoffs recently. We know Baltimore's had success. And we obviously know Cincinnati is sitting on top of the division predicted, uh, predicted to do it again. So what I thought would be interesting is like looking at the rest of the teams and just like, how do they prioritize positions, high, medium, or low? And how does that mesh with how the Browns are doing it? So we're going to go through them. It doesn't have to be very long winded, but I think there's an exercise here that's interesting to look at the comparison to uh, between the two. So we're going to start today's show. We're going to do another one later this week on defense, but we're going to start offense. So quarterback is the simple starting point, Andrew. It's Joe Burrow's taken first overall. And we're kind of looking in the last three years. We don't want to stretch this out too far because then it gets sort of messy, right? So I think the last three years, I think that's Andrew Berry's tenure, right? They're three years into this thing yeah, with him. That's, that's right. So that's probably a fair launch point. So mm-hmm. we'll start with quarterback, Joe Burrow. They They continue to sign cheap, rookie or not rookie but cheap veteran uh minimum types trevor simeon is the backup the year before it was uh who was it brandon uh, allen kyle allen brandon allen yeah brandon yeah. allen i think that's right brandon allen had been there before um so that's you know cincinnati would be a high prioritization because they've you know they took a guy first overall right yep. so that's a high prioritization uh, the backup doesn't seem like they're too inclined to invest like crazy in a backup but uh, it does, uh, you know, Trevor Simeon's an upgrade over what they had in place. So they did prioritize upgrading that a little bit. Uh, Pittsburgh is a little interesting. They did they did with the best they could in terms of what capital they had. They took Kenny Pickett in the first round. We don't know if Kenny Pickett is going to be any good, right? Yep. We hope they, they spend a lot of time trying to figure that out. But taking him in a draft where people thought he was more of a second rounder and kind of the, the draft itself, most of the quarterbacks are being slept on. I feel like that's prioritizing it because they could have passed Definitely. on Kenny Pickett. Definitely. So I would say they did. They just signed Mitch Trubisky to an extension as the backup. Mm-hmm. So they would be high. Now, they would expect most teams in this division to be high. We don't have to go through everybody else, but Baltimore, they took. It's interesting. A little wrinkle about Baltimore is they took Hayden Hurst before they took Lamar Jackson. So it's right. like, you know, come yep. on. But um, they end up giving Lamar the extension. It, you can't say they don't prioritize it. They've given him the keys to the city. They they drafted him in the first round. They've invested in backups in Huntley, um, the pro bowler, you know, as we know. Uh, they just signed Josh Johnson, who's, who's riding his uh, way around the world at this point backup quarterbacking everywhere and then we know the browns did too with baker mayfield the the first overall pick and then obviously what they did to deshaun watson that's the easiest position group right um yes i'll let you i'll let you riff on that a little bit if you want it feels like joe is going to get a second contract so that would be three of the four quarterbacks on second deals right right Uh, actually um that'd be the third deal for because he got an extension in yeah it's uh, Houston deal yeah yeah and uh, who knows what can he pick it but they did at least invest so the high priority at quarterback for everybody yeah and I mean the the story about the contracts is really the only the only piece here obviously quarterback is going to be a priority for everybody the advantage that the Steelers are going to have if Kenny Pickett is even average 
And I know that it's really fun for Browns fans to be down on Kenny Pickett. And I, I listen, I love to do it too. So I'm not, there's no criticism here. Um, but if he can manage to be average, the Steelers are going to have an advantage on the other three teams in the division over the next three years as they continue to pay below market money at the quarterback position while every other team in the division is paying full boat for a veteran starter. So, um, you know, obviously uh, Joe Burrow has uh, what? Uh, this year is going to be cheap and next year will be his last cheap year. And then he gets crazy expensive. I mean, he deserves to be he deserves to eclipse the Lamar Jackson contract. If, you know, if they were starting to give out fully guaranteed contracts, he deserves one of those too. Um, so, you know, obviously people are thinking that contract's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Cause of the Bengals and their cash issues for sure. It's going to be very interesting, but, but um, the Steelers really have a little bit of an advantage here because they're going to have 30, $40 million in cap space that the other three teams won't have. It's as simple as that. And, I feel like you're spot on about the situation, the timing of which the picket thing where we, again, best case scenario is they just keep having to waste time all the way to the fifth year option to figure out if he's their guy. That's, that's what you want. Um, the burrow thing feels to me, and we don't have to delve into this too much. My hunch is he's going to take less than people expect. It just like, can't you feel the narratives around it? Like a little less, not a ton less, but maybe less than people would think. It's like trying to help the organization, trying to build around me. I just knowing Burrow and how he operates, like it feels that that feels like a serious outcome. So I just wanted to throw that out there and get in, get in front of it. So I had some proof that I uh, predicted Joe would take a little less than people thought. Yeah, because it was his, funny because he he made right. the quote too about I know what I want or something like that, and we're mm-hmm. working toward it. Go ahead, sorry. No, I, I I you're I'm agreeing with you. I you know the the type of guy he is plus where the Bengals are as an organization. I think he's smart enough yeah. to understand that if he asks for a contract ahead of Lamar's, the Bengals will be in a tough financial spot. Uh, and that's going to affect the quality of team they can put around him. Um, yeah. I hope that's not the case. Obviously as a Browns fan, I hope that he holds their feet to the fire, but, but I think he's smart enough to do the, go the Tom Brady route. Right. I mean, Tom Brady, enabled the Patriots to continue building a dynasty. He took below market deal after below market deal from the Patriots for years and years and years. And it, and it allowed them, it's a cheat code essentially, right? If you're, I mean, Patrick Mahomes to a certain extent did the same thing with the chiefs uh, because so much of his money can be moved around, you know, uh, when, you know, and that's one of the, you know, the hidden downsides of what the Browns did committing fully guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson is they have less flexibility than the the Chiefs do with Mahomes and that what is it like a 10-year deal he's got and yeah you know other other teams that that drafted these quarterbacks and developed them they kind of reap the benefit of the team quarterback relationship being so friendly that there's a benefit you know a, a mutual benefit to it the Browns don't really have that right now so you know if you if you look at um, you know, the, their cap spending at quarterback, they're, they're going to be at the top of the league for the next few years as they work through this deal. And what strikes me too is some of the stuff around uh, keeping T Higgins, right? A lot of the, the things exactly. they're trying exactly. to do, he's going yep. to try to be out in front of that. So yeah, you, you have to imagine he wants to keep the band together. Has to. So yeah, quarterback high, high priority. We understood next is running back. Now this is where it gets a little interesting. So the Bengals took Joe Mitton. I mean, the Browns, I have to say hi. I can't say anything other than hi. Now, I know they didn't go address a backup yet. They still have done things in Andrew Barry's tenure where they've kept Kareem Hunt at a high price, right? He was the top 20 paid running back behind Nick Chubb, who got an extension. 
and they drafted a fourth round running back the year after, right? So they have Jerome Ford. I, yep. I can't say anything other than hi. Um, the Bengals have drafted Joe Mixon in the second round of 2017, but they did extend him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase Brown they took in the fifth round this last year. They took Chris Evans in the sixth round. Travion Williams in the sixth round. They just let go of um, who was the Samaje Pirine. Yep. I, I think extending Joe Mixon tells me it's a high priority, but I could be talked into this being a medium priority to the Bengals. What do you think? Well, I think it depends on what they do with Joe Mixon, right? Because the the extension is there, but there's you know a lot of rumors swirling that they want him to either take a pay cut or they're going to get rid of him. So um, if if he if they move on from him. You know, first of all, I think one of the questions is what do they do at running back, right? But, um, but it, certainly if they moved on from him, then they would have one of the cheaper running back rooms in the league, and uh, and you know, I think it would be medium for sure. Um, I, I think they, it's it feels to me like they've really gone all in on trying to keep together, as we just said, the quarterback and the wide receivers. Like that's their that's sort of their goal over the next two years, is to keep uh, Burrow, Higgins, and Chase together. There were some rumblings that if Jameer Gibbs uh, or Bijan Robinson fell, that the Bengals would be interested. Yep. But obviously, those guys went pretty early. So the Bengals have 17 million cap dollars for this upcoming year in running back, mm-hmm. whereas the Browns have 18. So you you have to say they that's still high enough priority there. Yep. So yep. Uh, Baltimore, they have done the following: second round pick of J.K. Dobbins. Um. I think uh, a free agent was uh, Gus Gus Edwards, an undrafted free agent. They took Justice Hill in the fourth round of 2019. They, they uh, free agent, undrafted free agent Keaton Mitchell. Um, they have they probably don't have very much tied into that. But they have, they only have seven million tied in and cap dollars, three percent, three and a half percent this year. I would say Baltimore. It's got to be seeing what they do with Dobbins. I would mm-hmm. say medium for now. I mean, a second round pick is a decent investment and a fourth round pick that's right. 2019. So that's a little outside of our window. I would say medium. If they extend yep. Dobbins, mm-hmm. it would be high. What do you right. think? That's, yes. No, that's exactly right. That's where the commitment comes in is that second contract because Dobbins is a good enough player to demand not maybe top of the market money, but certainly – you know, to be paid as a, as a, as a really good starter. And so, you know, his cap, hit's going to go up and that's, you know, that's where you yeah. make that investment is by allocating, you know, a lot of your cap to that. I mean, you, you look at some of the teams, you know, that are spending a lot of money elsewhere. Um, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, for example, uh, are, you know, are spending the most money overall on their roster in the league. They're spending 8.4 at running back. So they, you know, they've kind of stuck to that philosophy of you're not going to spend a ton of money on running backs. Um, and obviously everybody was surprised when the Browns decided to extend Nick Chubb. And so, um, yeah, we'll see, it'll be interesting to see how Baltimore handles that, that JK Dobbins extension, because I think you can make the argument from their perspective, maybe he hasn't really earned it at this point. Agreed. Agreed. So, all right, we're looking at Pittsburgh too. They are high because you can't take a guy in the first round and he's the only 
of and you know all these guys selected. Yeah, he's the only first round back in the division. So yeah. he's high. Now yeah. they've took Anthony McFarland in the fourth round of 2020. Jalen Warren has worked out as a nice UDFA for them. But yeah, again, you can't take a first round pick on a running back and not be highly invested in it. So we'll say the only difference in teams we have so far is that Baltimore were a bit more to be determined on their running back commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the J.K. Dobbins relationship there is very strange, too. Like, yes. subtweets a lot. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm just sitting here right now. I would not predict a second contract, although I think he's going to have a nice year. So, right. Uh, um, that's why everything changes, right? Is what, what this year yeah. looks like for him. Indeed. All right. Wide receiver. Now this is where, again, it gets more interesting because you got more guys involved. So the Browns currently have invested the following at wide receiver. Um, they have invested Amari Cooper via a cheap trade. So they didn't have to give up much of anything to get them. Now they are giving up some of their cap dollars. As we know, those are vital, um, but that's it. So Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones, a sixth round pick has worked out extraordinarily well for a sixth round pick. And then they gave up uh, an early second for Elijah Moore. I know they still got a pick back, but nonetheless, that's the investment was moving back and that's equivalent of like a fourth or fifth round pick. I get it, but they, they gave up a valuable pick for him. Cedric Tillman's a third round pick, their first pick in the entire draft. So that's important. And they took a third round pick in David Bell. And then they signed Marquise Goodwin. We know they took a third round pick, Anthony Schwartz. Sixth round pick, Michael Woods. They've signed Jakeem Grant. And then there's a bunch of AYOs. The reason I'm going to say the Browns are high and not medium, and I know they haven't invested in a first round wide receiver. There's two reasons for me, Andrew. First is, I think they were going to. They didn't get Deshaun Watson. They were going to take one of those guys. Now, they would have had yeah. to move up for one of the big four in that draft in 22 to get a Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave. All those guys were gone. But I think they would have done what it took to get whoever their quarterback was going to be one of those receivers. And they have $40 million in cap dollars this year committed to wide receiver, which is like 16% of their cap. So I get it. You could say, well, they haven't invested a big time pick. They've lucked into some things. The Amari Cooper thing worked out. We think that was a steal. We think Elijah Mm -hmm. Moore has a chance to be another steal. So they get credit for that, but they're clearly prioritizing wide receiver at a high level. Would you agree? Yeah, I absolutely would. I think, and, and this is one where, you know, if they had a first round pick, either last year or this year, one of those two years they would have drafted a wide receiver in the first round. Agreed. I, I'm 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 dead set on that being the case. So um, you know, uh they the the thing is is that they're you know they're they're trying what I see them doing this this offseason is really trying to build flexibility into it because they have a decision to make about Donovan Peoples Jones and a decision to make about Amari Cooper. So you know, how long those two players are around. I think they're, you know, they've set up for a few years with Elijah Moore and obviously they just drafted Tillman. Uh, They hope that he turns into a player. And so it becomes a question of, you know, which road do they choose going into next season, um, you know, with Cooper and DPJ, because both of those players probably aren't back next year. And so uh, how that plays out will be the interesting thing to watch. But I think either way, they've shown that they believe that they need, you know, a significant amount of at least talent coming in, if not high level talent, but I, I do think there would be a first rounder if they had one to spend. Well said Cincinnati up next. There's no doubt that they prioritize it. They spent yep. a top five pick on Jamar chase. They took T Higgins at the top of the second round. They have drafted Tyler Boyd in the second round. Now that was way back in 2016, but they have extended him. They still took two more wide receivers, Charlie Jones in the fourth round this year, Andre Iasevis from Princeton in the sixth round. 
think I butchered his last name, but I tried real hard. So give me credit. And then Trenton Irwin, who's been a nice little piece of their operation as a UDFA guy in 19, but he's around. They have uh, still, despite not giving Jamar or T a second contract, they have $30 million, 30 and a half, 13 and a half percent of their cap. So they are an easy, easy, uh, um, high high value of the position and and i'll just ask you this because there's not really much to banter on there if t higgins hits the free agent market are you going after him yeah i think that's one of the options but b- before the browns next season right if t, if t higgins is yep. a free agent i th- i think he's good enough to be a number one for a team so yeah uh you could hand him a big deal move on from amari cooper and donovan peoples jones and then your receivers next year are t higgins cedric tillman and elijah moore i'd I like that group a lot Good deal. I like it. All right. Um, Baltimore is now they're a more interesting study. So they have taken two wide receivers in the first round. So they're automatically high for me. They've taken Rashad Mm -hmm. Bateman in the first round of 21 and they took Zay flowers in the first round of 23 this year, obviously they signed Nelson Aguilar. They gave Odell Beckham a $20 million contract this year. Other Mm -hmm. draft picks that they've had a six round pick on James Prochet. Uh, Devin Duvernay was a third round pick in 2020. They might be the most invested in figuring out wide receiver, which ironically has not even remotely, who knows if Bateman can stay healthy enough to be good. He's good right. when he can stay healthy. Right. Zay Flowers is incredibly small, but he's very talented. And then Odell, we know about his track record. They're invested in figuring it out. They're actually on the lower end of cap dollars at 20 and a half million. So they're third place in cap dollars. Um, 24th rank in the NFL there, but I still, I mean, you know, two first round picks, a third round pick, a, a signing like Odell, you're, you're all in on trying to fix it. Although the results have not been what they've wanted so far. Yep. Yeah. It's, 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 this is one where the process has looked pretty good, right? Trying to solve the position, but the outcome has been bad, right? They have not, yep. they have not gotten the results that they that they would want considering how much they've invested the position. Um, so it'll be, I think, you know, what their offense looks like with Todd Monken this year and, and Lamar Jackson with, you know, a group of receivers who are all in different ways, question marks, right. Um, mm-hmm. is, is, is really one of the big questions that I think will go a long way into um, deciding the division because, the, you know, we have to assume the Ravens run game is going to fall off. Right. I mean, I think Todd Monken's a good coordinator, but, it's not Greg Roman and Greg, that was, you know, his, that was his bread and butter was running the yeah. ball uh, in a diverse and effective and, and deceptive way. So the pass game has to take a step forward for their offense to even tread water. And so I think whether or not that happens, I mean, I happen personally to be a believer in Lamar Jackson and I think he he will take a step forward this year. And, and, you know, I think the receivers will, will probably, you know, benefit from that, but uh, it remains to be seen. Certainly. So the the Steelers are up next. It's interesting. They have pretty good results, which seems to always happen for them, despite yeah. not investing high-level stuff at the position. So they took Deontay Johnson, um, uh, I think Toledo, right? A third-round pick in 2019. I know that dates a year before. He's turned into a nice player for them, a borderline f- first uh, first wide receiver. George Pickens' uh, vertical route king last year didn't do a ton other than that, but it was so dynamic doing it. But he was a second-round pick. They traded cheap, basically nothing for Allen Robinson. They, um, Calvin Austin in the fourth round of last year. 
I would say they've they have thirty million dollars, thirteen percent, fifteenth in the NFL and and cap um, figure at the position. I'd say they're medium. They have gotten the results, which has probably allowed them to stay medium. Because maybe if they don't hit on Johnson, they don't hit on some. Uh, you know, did they they let go of Clay, they, Chase Claypool? Has to matter here, right? Was Claypool a first round guy? There's a second round guy. I think he was a second second rounder and then they traded him for pick 32. So I think they actually got more than they picked him for. That's right. I think they're medium. They have not really gone into a huge because Johnson got a fairly decent second contract, but not huge. Yeah. And they haven't gone after a first round guy and their cap figures about the middle of the NFL. So I would Mm -hmm. say medium. But again, I think they're medium because they've done well with the with the budget stuff that they've used to get guys. Yeah. So that leaves me thinking if they had missed on Deontay Johnson and not, they would have maybe been more aggressive in the draft or free agency. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll say medium, but they, I still feel like they would have, if they didn't hit, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I, I mean, I think you could even make the argument that, that this is, this is a low just because of how little they've put into the position. I mean, your point is that they haven't had to because they have gotten production for what little they've put in, and that's absolutely right. It, it dates back even well before the time range of what we're talking about. You know, Antonio Brown was a later round draft pick, and you know, you can go on and on. The Steelers have had kind of a, a factory at wide receiver for a long time, and it's very frustrating as a Browns fan to watch it happen. Um, you know, I, the Allen Robinson move is the interesting one to me here because it's like, I guess I get it, like, but it just feels really strange to for for what where they are as a team to bring you know I just and he's he's been so disengaged the last two years in Chicago and LA you know on bad teams and just I don't know man that that's one that like kind of stick sticks out to me as you know if the bad version of Kenny Pickett shows up this year and and Allen Robinson is just kind of walking through the end of his routes every every game as he's not getting the ball and and Pickett's getting pressured and whatever right like I, I, it just it didn't feel to me like something they needed to do based on what else they had. So I, that's that's one I'm a little intrigued by. And it's it's you know I mean obviously they didn't invest much in the way of resources. They it was like a swap of seventh round picks or something. But it's just interesting that um, they felt like they needed to do it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. For sure. They they have uh, kind of been fringe in. I mean, they're in. They, they've gotten results. So I just think that matters so much, the, the angle on if they didn't get those results what they'd have to change okay yeah, tight end it allows you to save Good. money and resources yeah. when you hit on late round draft picks i mean this is a point that we were making before the draft about where the browns are you know some of these guys that they drafted this year have to be good you know whether it's uh yep. apuica or cedric tillman or isaiah mcguire they need one of those guys to be like a player for them because they don't have a first round draft pick so that the only two differences we have is pittsburgh being medium at wide receiver and Baltimore being a bit of a medium investment spot at running back. So um, next is that's been, everyone else has been pretty highly committed to it. This is where we start to see some differences. Tight end. The Browns have uh, 14.4 million invested in the position cap number wise, 5.7%. That's 11th highest in the NFL. So Mm -hmm. as we know, they went out this year, they signed, Jordan Akins, he's going to be their second tight end. Gave him a relatively decent contract for a backup tight end. We know they invested a first-round pick and extended David Njoku. Uh, They know they also invested a fourth-round pick in Harrison Bryant in AB's first draft. So I would say that's pretty highly invested. Agreed? Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. The the Bengals have the first big difference. I think they're low. I I think they could have been involved in drafting a guy this year. They had many chances. They have brought in – they had C.J. Uzoma, who they, they didn't draft very early, I don't think. I don't, I'm not in the mood to look it up, but I know they didn't draft him very early. And he was a fine player for them, but they didn't extend him. Then they brought in Hayden Hurst on a cheaper deal, didn't extend him, bring him back. Then they punted on all the free agent tight ends except for this cheap, late Irv Smith contract that they gave out. Now, Irv Smith, a former first-round pick, you think he could turn around. But for the point of this exercise, they have Devin Asiasi, a former New England draft pick who's there drew samples a second round pick in 19 but again that's a little further out of our window and he has not been a very good addition to them uh, what they're doing i i, I think pretty firmly our first low value the Bengals yeah. at tight end yeah cj ozama was a 2015 draftee um uh, in the fifth round and uh, they actually drafted two tight ends that year tyler croft was the other one in the third round mm. uh, he's still in the league but you know i don't i'm where i can Click this and see where he's playing. He's playing for the Dolphins from what this says. Um, but yeah, CG Ozama, 2015, f- fifth rounder. I, no, this is the low for sure. And and it's kind of like, the as I said before, if they cut Joe Mixon, 
the running back room is is Chris Evans, Chase Brown, and then whatever you know, uh, free veteran free agent they bring in to complete that yeah. room. Um, you know, maybe they're an Ezekiel Elliott team in that situation. Uh, and tight end is kind of the same thing. It's like these are the areas where they're going to try and skimp so that they can keep, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but so they can keep Burrow, Higgins, and Chase all around because they're they're saving so much money at running back and tight end, and they can probably get away with it given how Burrow runs that offense. Good call. Good stuff. All right, so our first difference there, Baltimore is another sort of Pittsburghian one here, right? They have not really drafted one very high, but they've gotten some pretty good results from who they've selected. Mark Andrews, a third-round pick, is a home run. An eighteen, and they've they they've extended him. They've had to have extended yeah, him. Yeah. Um, Isaiah likely they took in the fourth round. Coastal Carolina product turned in a pretty nice rookie year. So I'm. It's hard to say they value it a ton. I think they've just sort of just been very resourceful, or they've done well with it. Uh, put it that way. They have. Let me see here. So I meant to say Cincinnati has only six million invested in tight end. That's twenty fourth in the NFL. Baltimore has. 17 million because of the yep. Andrews extension, which puts them fit. They have to be, do you think they're high? I think they're medium. They they're medium because they invested in keeping Andrews around, but they haven't used a lot of draft capital on these guys. So I would say like a, like a highish medium that's cheating yeah. the system, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a mild spicy wing or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, they, I, I mean, I think it's right on that borderline. I see, I see your point. But I also see, you know, drafting two tight ends in the fourth round last year. Um, and yeah, Charlie Kohler, I, mean, I forgot to mention him. Good call. Anytime, anytime you're paying, you know, top five money to a tight end, I think, I think you're kind of de facto a high investment. You know what I mean? Like, but they, but also they're getting top five production. So they're, they're getting what they pay for, for sure. Yeah, I could see a high one. So we can shift that to high. If I'm saying medium high, it's probably leaning that direction anyway. And you made a good point. I forgot about Charlie Kohler. They've invested enough. So tight end in Pittsburgh, they have only $5 million invested there. So they're one of the lowest numbers in the league. But they have invested nonetheless. Yeah. They, they took Pat Fryermuth in the second round. Mm-hmm. They took Zach Gentry in the fifth round in 19. Then they just took Darnell Washington this year in the third round. They took Connor Hayward in the sixth round. of That's four drafted tight ends. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're pretty highly invested. I would have probably had them at medium until they went out and took Washington in the third round this year. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, they're they're in. I agree with that. And the you know they're it's you know Fryermuth is cheap right now because he's a rookie. So so cap wise they're not very invested at all. But um, you know I mean that's a lot of draft capital considering most teams only roster three tight ends. That is a lot of draft capital we're spending on tight ends. It is all right. Moving to offensive line last, we're, we're not going to do tackle guard center because. It's just they don't track the dollars that way, and we can kind of do it, maybe yeah. reference within here. Yeah, I mean the Browns value everything. They have they. I would have said maybe <laughs> they don't value center, but they have drafted yeah. two centers and they re they re-sign postage as we know. So right. they've paid both guards, they've paid a tackle, they have uh, on two contracts, and they brought Jed Will, Jed Wills in the tenth pick and picked up his fifth year option and. They continue to routinely invest the most in the offensive line. Spend another draft pick. They have fifty eight million invested 23 percent of their draft of their cap yeah that's only fifth though i would have thought that'd be close to number one that's fifth by, by aav they are first okay good there's got they're it. Six, 67 and a half in aav so i think and i think that probably just speaks to the baton you know the teller and batonio extensions yeah. more yep good stuff so they are one of the highest prioritizing offensive line groups in the yep. in the in the league and they need 
17 games worth of production this year to justify it. Put it that Amen. way. Um, Cincinnati, I think you could have said low, uh, but they made a huge signing this year. They're 58 million also invested cap dollars, 25% of their cap. That's fourth. They're actually in front of the Browns, surprisingly. What do you have on the AV side? Uh, they're in the like around 12. They're at 53 and a half. Okay. So they made a huge deal to sign Orlando Brown. They spent a first round pick on Jonah Williams. They, they paid Alex Kappa from Tampa Bay to come in and be a guard. They paid Ted Karras to come over from new England. They have solved left guard with Cordell Volson. Who's a fourth round pick. They've taken Jackson Carmen, a second round pick uh, in 21 uh, in 20. They took a six round pick, Akeem Adenage from Kansas. They took Trey Hill in the sixth round. They've invested enough for me to think they, they value it highly enough. I probably mm-hmm. would have been medium without Orlando Brown. Yep. But now that they've signed Orlando Brown, they, they tells me that they're and they signed Lyle Collins, too, which is a huge deal yep. the year before. Yep. And they brought in Cody Ford from Buffalo slash Arizona this, mm-hmm. this year as well. So, yeah, they're, they're their fans can't say that they're not all in on the offensive line. So, OK, too too highly valued. Now, offensive line for Baltimore is interesting. So they mm-hmm. have fifty three million on this cap dollar percentage 23 percent that's eighth what do you have maybe uh like 15 okay right. um, 15th overall 52 million dollars aav got it so ronnie stanley they they have dealt with injuries of late but they have invested enough in him and given him second contracts ben cleveland was a third round pick in 21 tyler lindebaum was a first round center they paid kevin zeitler at uh, at right guard and then they they are playing. They're projected to to go with Morgan Moses from the, from the Jets coming over. See, this one's a little tricky. Like, I think that they have tried to be skimp worthy in some places where I think that they're sort of medium to me. They have never mm-hmm. really. They have not drafted an like they have invested in Tyler Linderbaum. I get it, but they haven't drafted a tackle in a long time. They were using who was the Pittsburgh Alejandro Villanueva, the the yep. Pittsburgh former Pittsburgh tackle yep. that they brought over. Like, I think that they've tried to be not all in on the O-line, tried to just get lucky with some things and have some picks work out. And I think it's nipped them that they haven't been as good as they could be over there. But I, I can't say they're high. And even I know the, the the dollars here on the cap percentage is high, but you're saying they're 15th in AV. It feels like a medium commitment. They have not really gone crazy on offensive line spending. Agreed? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and um you know, before, I mean, Ronnie Stanley was 2016. So it's not like that was really that recent. Right. Um, yeah. So it was Linder, Linderbaum in the first round last year and Stanley in 16. Before that, we're going back to 09. Michael Ower, the blind side, uh, was their last first round pick of an offensive lineman. So no, they're, they're obviously, you know, their, their team building philosophy is you can get, you can get uh, good, you know, average to good production from the offensive line without spending high picks. And, and you see that, bear itself out you know ben cleveland is a third round pick and uh 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 what's the other guy ben powers was a fourth round pick back in 19 and he played well for them obviously orlando brown was was originally their draft pick in in 2018 in the third round so um they've you know they've done it um they they have not only had that philosophy but it has worked for them so uh but it's but yeah i would agree medium is the right right number and it's interesting you know we're talking again about their offensive um philosophy shift one of the reasons i think that they've been able to do that is that they have run the ball so much more than most teams and you know any offensive lineman would tell you they'd rather run block than pass block 
And yep. so as their offense changes this year a little bit, does that change how their offensive line is able to play and protect for Lamar Jackson? Very fair question. They're, they're teetering. We'll see if they keep going into that side of things more as they expand the offense, change things up. Uh, Pittsburgh, you, you, you really have to say low. Like, I don't, I know they finally made an investment with Broderick Jones at tackle this year, but here's the other draftees. In 2018, they drafted uh, Chikwoma Okorafor, third round. They drafted Dan Moore in the fourth round in 21, Kevin Dotson in the fourth round of 20, Kendrick Green the third round. He's failed there, third round of 21. They're going to start Isaac Ciamalu, who's a, uh, comes over from Philadelphia. Mason Cole from Minnesota, he came over. James Daniels was with Chicago. I think they're pretty low to me. Then it's kind of amazing that they've been this way. I have them 13th in cap dollars spent at, tag, at offensive line with 46. Where do you have them, uh, A.B.? Uh, like high 20s. So, yeah. well, low 20s, like, like 20, 21, 22, something like that. They've got $43 million in AAV. Yeah, it feels like low. I, I'm kind of stunned yeah. that they've skipped investing in this position so much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's I our first low value, even though they might start trending higher now with the Broderick Jones selection. Yep, still feels like a low commitment. So are really, here's what I can tell you from this. The AFC North is committed to offense, right? Mm-hmm. There's that old long yep. theory about, uh, you know, the sustainability of offense is more consistent than defense, which is a bit capricious. Uh, year to year so that is um that's that's kind of interesting to talk it through you know what i mean the only low ones we had we had a singular low too low sorry Uh, cincinnati at tight end pittsburgh on the offensive line and then we had baltimore um who do do we have mediums we had a medium baltimore running back commitment Mm -hmm. and we should have wrote these down smart podcast well i think we've got them at medium for the offensive line right that's true. Yep. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then, you know, I think the, the Browns are high are, everywhere. Are, yeah. The Bengals are a sort of medium running back team. You know, I mean, the Joe Mixon contract makes it high, but that might get resolved. I mean, you know, I think just looking at the big picture, you know, the, the, the team building philosophies become kind of apparent, right? Like the, the Bengals are, as I've said six times already on this show, trying like hell to keep their, their big three together. Uh, and protect their quarterback. Those are sort of their two priorities. The the Ravens are, you know, have been really trying to find Lamar Jackson the weapons for his, you know, for the passing attack and and have gone so far this year as to change offensive coordinators to try and fix their passing game. Um, and, you know, they've drafted like they need a better passing game. And the Steelers are the one team that I think you can say are maybe under-investing in offense across the board, right? Because we I think we had them as a medium for wide receiver too, yeah, we did. Uh, even though they've gotten such great production from that position, so um, you know, the, 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 and and as you said, the Browns are are investing highly at every offensive position. I mean, you know, it's worth reminding people that the Browns um, are spending the, by far the most cash on their on their uh, their team this year, right? I think they're they're spending like I think it's I'm off the top of my head. I think it's three hundred and sixty million dollars in cash this year. Um, yeah, Jimmy's spending. Yeah, no so. Doubt. Like they're they're invested in this in a way that um you know has not yeah it's uh it's 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 a big number it's it's three hundred and four million dollars that's what it is I got the specific number in front of me three hundred and four million dollars in cash this year they have the most uh you know 
the the highest number of salaries by AAV, and it hasn't. The results haven't been there for the amount of money that they're spending, and so that's the that's the real question. Is we say the Browns are investing at every piece of the offense. Where are the results? That's and you know, like I'm not trying to be <laughs> negative about it again, but it's just to make the observation that when you invest that number of resources and that amount of money, you expect to see better than what they've done the last two years. Very fair. They need to get it right. That's why we talk about the pressure of this year and their shifting thought process around everything. They they need to get it right. They're the only one high in every category on offense. We'll talk about defense where I think they, they obviously have some shifts, but they maybe have even rectified some of that too. So we'll get into defense next time. That's a good show today. We appreciate you stopping by. Andrew's continuing to kick ass on the podcast, doing great stuff. We appreciate your your love for the show that you gave on Twitter the other day. Uh, that means a lot to us and helps us stay motivated to keep doing unique things here uh, on this thing. So we, again, uh, really appreciate that. We also want to remind you, uh, or, or more myself, um, about a weekend mailbag that I'm doing every Saturday. So get those questions submitted. I've had a couple Twitter DMs come over. I've had an OBR direct message there. You can send me one or jake at theobr.com. Send over a question you'd like answered on the podcast. So that's it for today. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Looking at your Cleveland Browns, heavily invested position by position. We'll do defense, which things will get a little more interesting, I think, a little uh, more interesting discussion. So we'll do that side of the ball on the next episode. We uh, Well, the next time we get with Andrew, so a little later in the week. So thanks for stopping by, guys. Appreciate you being here. Have a good Wednesday. Go Browns.